Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, life coach, and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing Mother's Day and family trauma. Mother's Day in America is a marketing fest of Norman Rockwell-esque imagery, warmth, nurturing, smiles, soft eyes and soft glances, mother-daughter, mother-son, love and gush fests. And if you have that kind of love for your mother or as a mother, sincere congratulations and thank yous because you or your mother are out there modeling connected, safe, strong, compassionate, mothering, and love. And we in the world need to see more of that. This imagery around Mother's Day seems very effective marketing that does a few things. It puts out a message to honor and celebrate mothering. It also sells a whole lot of flowers and jewelry and cards. I looked up some statistics from Statista.com. A quote from them says, Americans were planning on spending around 28 billion U.S. dollars on Mother's Day in 2021. 28 billion dollars on Mother's Day. Isn't that amazing to even think about? For a little bit of background, Mother's Day was first celebrated in 1908 in the U.S. And in 1911, it became a holiday. And initially, it was just a holiday of sentiment, an emotional exchange, an honoring, until it was commercialized. It was commercialized in the 1920s. So we are full on 100 years into Mother's Day being commercialized. Another thing that this Mother's Day does is it triggers the hell out of anyone with an absent mom. And whether that absence is due to death or choice or abusive or neglectful parenting, whether that's to addiction or personality disorder or other significant mental health issue like unchecked bipolar or schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorders or even brain injury. 
I have been no contact with my own mother since I was 24 years old. And I'll be 41 years old in a few months. This has been one of the healthiest decisions of my entire life so far. And absolutely one of the two hardest decisions that I've ever had to make and then live through. If you're a new listener or if you've made the assumption that I push or encourage no contact in families, you might be surprised to hear that more often than not, I am working to unify family members despite dysfunction that's there. I teach healthy boundaries and nervous system management so that people can maintain connection versus going full no contact or even extremely limited contact. I rarely... I sat and really tried to think about the cases that I've had in my 15-year career. The number is definitely under 20 out of thousands that I've worked with that have gone full no contact. It's very rare that full no contact is what's required to heal. I want to talk more in the future about benefits of a separation period from a highly dysfunctional system. If your nervous system has been activated and on guard since birth or early childhood, but that's for a different show, a different episode, and that's a very different goal and process than going no contact. This is the first year that I've been able to get ahead of Mother's Day. Why? Mother's Day no longer hits my awareness. That might be hard to believe if that day hits your awareness and draws pain up and out. For today's episode, I want to speak to those of you who feel raw and emotional around Mother's Day and Father's Day. I want to help you manage the impulse to withdraw, to pull in, to wonder what's wrong with you that you don't have the mothering relationship that gets highlighted by Mother's Day, that what you have is pain in your heart and in your body and in your mind. If this is a pain you resonate with, you're grieving Even if we never had a mother, we will grieve the archetype of a mother. And Mother's Day will wave that in our face, which can at first seem cruel. But if we reframe that, there's opportunity to release that pain. This episode is also for those of you who will go see your mother or send gifts while resenting the hell out of the obligation to do so on Mother's Day. Some of you will perform these tasks while seething, going through the motions, steadying yourself for the emotional drain, and feeling stuck by the situation of Mother's Day, and by your own people-pleasing patterns that erode self-respect and self-care. To have grown inside of a woman for nine months and feel disconnected, abused, abandoned, worthless, is a special kind of craziness to work through and process through. I'm here to say to you and to model and to show you that this kind of healing is most definitely available. The perfectionism in survivors seems to grow the expectation that healing is somehow linear, that it's like climbing up a mountain and that the summit is the point at which we're healed. Healing is not like that. Healing is a continuous openness to receiving soothing when we had a dysfunctional family of origin. 
the intensity of the pain that we feel lessens and lessens and lessens over time, not really because of time, but because of what we do within that time towards healing our wounds. I am not responsible for the ways that my mother abused and neglected me. That is not my fault. It is not something that I did to myself. However, I am responsible for healing myself, for growing past what those painful experiences and that lack of love and support and soft place to fall, how it impacted me. That is my responsibility. And at first in our healing, that idea can very much piss us off. It sure pissed me off for a long time. It's part of why I share. I hope that by sharing, it helps people move through that part of the process and not get stuck there. Because anger is part of the grief process. So we all have to go through being angry that we experience these things. So there's no summit point. There's no, I'm totally done healing. Key example of this, I just married Chris in the last few months, producer of the show. That means I have a new mother-in-law. If you've been listening to episodes lately, you've heard me talk about this before. And I have to help myself let her in. And I'm willing to let her in because I trust myself at this point. I trust my ability to allow the goodness of who she is in while keeping what's dysfunctional out. Everybody's got a little bit of dysfunction. That's what healthy emotional boundaries internally can do for us. I deem her a safe person. And I want to let her in as much for myself as for her. Because if I didn't, I'd rob myself of a nurturing and respecting mom that the universe has given me. And for her, she's a mom of three sons. She's wanted a daughter-in-law long before I came into the picture. She's been holding space for me before I ever even got here. She's wanted to be a good mother-in-law, unlike her own mother-in-law, who was largely bitter and stuck and shaming. If I keep my walls up too high, I rob us both. And I will not allow the abuse and neglect that I experienced as a child from my own mother to continue to harm me and others in that way. I am worth it. Even when that feels vulnerable and scary to me, she's worth it. We are worth it. I want to show you a nonlinear way that the universe offers us healing, a way that we can't totally orchestrate on our own, but we can open to the possibility. My Mother's Day tribute today goes to Bob and Margot. Now, I don't remember their last names. I knew them when I was very young, about 18, maybe 20. And if anyone knows who I'm talking about as I go through this story, please write into the show or share this episode with them. I believe they had five or six kids and they traveled and knew people in lots of places. One of you out there listening today might know my Bob and Margot. I'm sure they have no idea how much the time they spent with me mattered. I would relish the opportunity to be able to tell them. I was in an extremely toxic relationship from 17 to 24. I was fatigued. 
I had complex, compounded PTSD. I was working, no exaggeration, 70 hours a week in a restaurant as a waitress. I worked breakfast and lunch shifts, and then I went to school after, and often I went right back to work because that restaurant did catering at night. And I do catering gigs till 11, 12, 1 a.m. with a full-time college load. I felt so raw and fragile, even while being extremely strong and pushing through. That's survival mode. I know it's familiar to a lot of you listening. I had been sleeping two to four hours a night since age 15 to manage work and homework well before I was in college because I was in an advanced curriculum program since fourth grade. That program saved me, but wow, did it give me a lot of work to do. So it was normal for me to overfunction, to overwork since a very young age. At the time, my sexual abuse memories were still repressed. I did not consciously know that that had happened to me yet. I wouldn't know that till late in the year that I was 22, about to turn 23. Those repressed memories were pummeling my body with pain. My neck, my jaw felt inflamed, tight, tense, compressed. I was severely depressed. I was even chronically dehydrated because when you're that depressed, we don't even know how to take care of ourselves by giving ourselves water. If you struggle with this or are hearing this idea for the first time and recognize that you might struggle to hydrate yourself out of some childhood trauma, then you can take this little simple mantra with you. I am worthy of hydration. I take care of my body by drinking a sip of water right now. And you just do that over and over and over until your subconscious learns that drinking water is self-care and you're worth it. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about pivotal moments in history? If so, then try my new podcast, Calm History. It's a time machine of tranquility filled with immersive and fascinating stories from history. Prior episodes include The Pilgrims, Marco Polo, Henry Ford, Joan of Arc, Jackie Robinson, Klondike Gold Rush, Ancient Greek Olympics, Easter Island, and the Great Pyramid of Giza. There's also a six-part series about the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com. Margot got a job working with me. My abusive ex owned the restaurant where I was working, where Margot got a job. And Margo was completely gray and close to 60, if not in her 60s, and her husband was Bob. I easily and quickly fell in love with Margo and Bob. And I think it's weird that we don't admit that. Love is so expansive. It's not weird. It's human that we fall in love with different aspects of each other. And when we have high empathy, it's so easy to love others. In our culture, it can sometimes feel wrong to admit that, 
but that maybe that can be a stigma that I try to eradicate on this show. So anyway, I, I loved them. I, I loved Margot and Bob. And Margot and Bob's story was that they met. They both were not each other's first spouses. And they were in love. You could see it. I could feel it. I didn't know I was an empath, but man, did I love to be around them because I could feel the purity and the completeness of their love and respect for one another. They adored each other. How could I not fall in love witnessing the ways that they loved each other? The energy that floated between the two. Margot and Bob had sold their homes and all of their belongings and bought a houseboat to retire. They had come down the East Coast over the past six months or so, around Florida into the Gulf of Mexico, and they decided to stay in New Orleans for a while. Their boat was on the lakefront, docked, while Marga waited tables with me for pocket money. I didn't so much comprehend this at the time, but looking back, I'm grateful for their wisdom that was beyond mine. And I now know that they knew things that I didn't know yet. I believe they tolerated the man that I was with back then because they genuinely liked me and felt connected to me. They could tell that I was in an abusive relationship. I had never been on a houseboat, and I was fascinated that a couple could change their lives like they had and invite such an adventure They might have been the first nomadic Americans I really ever met and connected with. Now we know the term digital nomads, and I know lots of you guys who travel the world and work, but this was well before the internet was big. This was about 1998, 2000, maybe 2001. I loved the way Margot hugged me. I loved the way Margot seemed to know that I loved Bob in a purely fatherly way. I believe he was the father of daughters who were a few years older than I, and Bob did not like the vibes coming from the man in my life. One day, hanging out on their houseboat is burned in my memory. It was such a little thing that Bob did, but my self-worth was so on the floor that it bolstered me as surely as an EMT worker performing CPR on someone who isn't breathing. The man I was with wanted to drive Margot and Bob's houseboat. Bob looked at him and just simply said, no. I had never seen anyone tell him no because he dominated every exchange. And if he didn't, he came back with manipulation that passive-aggressively dominated every exchange. Bob just told him no. This was his house. This was his boat. This was his houseboat, and he wasn't going to just let anyone drive it. It makes me sad to admit this because I feel so strong and unafraid today, but I felt scared in that moment, scared of what the reaction would be. But I knew that he couldn't make me leave right that second because we were on a friggin' boat. We were away from the dock. There was nowhere to go. About five minutes later, Bob says, Nikki, come here. Sit down. Come drive my house sheepishly and fearful of the man's response, I did what Bob said like a trusting and dutiful daughter. I saw Margo and Bob's eyes meet. Now, I didn't know I was an empath at the time. I didn't know that I could sense and feel and read what people were thinking and feeling. Margo's eyes seemed to say, yes, do this for her, screw him. 
Bob positioned his body behind me, behind the skipper's chair, blocking the glare the man was giving me to try to bore a hole through my head and get me to stop. Abusers can make a pissing match competition out of the simplest of moments, and in his mind, I was not allowed to win. And Bob was setting me up to win the competition that I did not want to play, and Bob didn't want to be a part of in any way. Bob stood behind me. He put a hand on my shoulder, and he stood there, assured, supporting and blocking that energy coming from that man. And I nervously and insecurely kept asking if I was doing it right. Then I started forgetting about the sulking, pissed-off man behind me. And I started having fun. Woohoo! I'm driving a house! You're good at this, Nikki. Bob kept encouraging me. A steady stream of, wow, you're a natural. I'll let you drive anytime. Good job. Steadily consistently just lifting me up empowering me that moment gave me a strength that I didn't know I needed I've received feedback from a good number of people that what I do is that I teach people what they didn't know that they needed and that has been such a big story of my life Margot and Bob are part of that they were surrogate parents for me for a very short while And they gave me a care, a compassion, a kindness extended to me that I didn't know how badly I needed, how starved I was for this. The universe will give spiritual mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, even children in ways that our pain will not allow us to imagine, consider, or much less open, invite, and hope in. It took me about five years after going no contact with my mother that I noticed on the sixth year, the sixth Mother's Day, that the day passed me like any given random Tuesday. And when I realized that, it felt like a self-actualization, a leveling up inside of the being that I was. Something shifted from hurt, wounded child unable to get approval or love or care or empathy to more of a healed adult. This is what inner child work does. It fills us back up with goodness that the goblins of family trauma originally gobbled up. And goblins don't feed on goodness. They only feed on dysfunction, y'all. So when we fill back up with the goodness, the nurturing, Lifting ourselves up, self-respect, self-esteem, self-love. The gremlins go away because there's nothing for them to feed on. I've received Mother's Day messages every year for the last 10 years of my life. From former or current clients, from friends who know how I mother gusto, I get to send my new mom who invited me to call her mom a Mother's Day gift from my heart this year. This is something my younger self could not have really dreamed of, that that could feel safe and easy and absolutely right in all the ways. If you have a deep mothering or fathering wound, consider that there is direct, actionable healing that you can do. 
You can seek out therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, yoga, podcasts, but also consider that you can be open to healing experiences by moving toward people that truly feel good to you. And by good, I mean warm, dependable, mature, kind, personally responsible. Even lighthearted and funny are important factors for me. Maybe they are for you too. And boundaried. Can it be a relief to know that you don't have to plow the field of healing all by yourself? That the universe, with its billions of people on the planet, can be working for you, can be working things out in ways that we can't even imagine are going on behind the scenes. Aligning people and experiences that can give us something that we never knew we needed or wanted. To this day, I think of Margot and Bob often. When I do, I send them big thank yous and I love yous. And then I hope that message and that love finds them wherever they are. They also gave me big permission to not have to do life like other people and to accept the ways that I am different or weird in the eyes of others. I was certainly born to two people originally. We all are. But the universe has provided me countless spiritual mothers and fathers. Isn't that miraculous? I want to thank so many of you who have decided to come jump on Patreon. We have been growing content there for you for two plus years. We have so much there for you. I don't run it like Facebook. I don't spam it out. We don't just put stuff up there to put stuff up there. Every single thing that we do there is a nugget. I don't want your time wasted, your energy wasted. If I post it on Patreon... It's because we think there is a nugget of something there that will very much help you on the healing journey. The money that comes in on Patreon supports us in not taking advertising because we do not want to put commercials on this show. We want to honor the integrity of this show. We know that you don't want to hear it. So if you get value out of the show, I invite you to come support us at Patreon. You can throw us two bucks. You can throw us five, ten or even 20 if you want to be a super fan and get a little bit of behind the scenes. Patreon is not a donation platform. It's a subscription. You're subscribing to receiving our content monthly. When you subscribe, you immediately get all the historical content. So you'll be able to instantly listen to over 30 episodes. We release a monthly exclusive episode only on Patreon. It's a place where I can be a little more intimate, a little more loose, and in the, at the $10 level, we have a monthly live stream. Our next topic is divorce. You are invited to come submit a question and ask me anything about you, yourself, about divorce, about the divorces I've had. Anything that can help you is free reign to ask. One of the things you get when you come support us at Patreon is you get a shout out. So I want to give these lovely Patreon producers and supporters of the show their due shout out. We really cannot do it without you. And you help us get this content out across almost every single country across the world. It is amazing. I am so, so grateful. I want to thank Julie, Mike, Melissa. Thank you for being here. I want to thank Nikki, spelled just like my name. Thank you, thank you. I don't meet many of you. I want to thank Kristen, Kira, 
Gina, Tanya for being producers of the show, supporting us, John, Valerie, Casey, Joy, and Rose. Thank you for being on this journey with me. Thank you for learning to love your sensitivity and honor it. I truly believe we heal the world one person at a time and we start with ourselves. And there is a butterfly effect. Take care of yourself around Mother's Day. Give yourself what you need and hold yourself with love, compassion, and respect. And know that it really, truly does get better no matter how hard it feels right now in this moment. I'm an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. And together we are where Moxie meets Mindful. Light and love. And I will see you here next week. Bye-bye. Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about history? If so, then try my podcast, Calm History. You'll learn all about famous explorers, inventions, civilizations, ancient wonders, and even the Titanic. Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to Calm History dot com.